Good morning, Self Fellowship. We are the bishops, and it's so good to see you this morning. Our call to worship today comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, which says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks to the Lord in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now let's sing and worship together. Well, good morning, South Fellowship Church. We're going to worship him. This is one of my favorite songs that we sing. I was buried beneath my shame. could carry that kind of weight it was my tomb till I met you I was breathing but not alive all my failures I tried
people come together Strangers, neighbors, a blood is one Children of generations of every nation of kingdom come so don't let your heart be troubled Hold your head up high Don't fear no evil Fix your eyes on this one truth God is madly in love with you So take courage, hold on, be strong Remember where our help comes from Let the praise go 
old things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace, it remains the cornerstone. Things that we thought were dead Breathing in life again You cause your sun to shine on darkest night For all that you've done we will pour out our love This will be Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Hopeless have now Jesus
our affections, our devotion, poured out on the feet of Jesus, our on his presence to you. Jesus, I love you. And oh, how I love you. You are the one my, my heart adores.
Hey friends, when I was a senior in high school, my family moved and we actually moved right across from the sheep farm here. I don't know about you, but I really know much about sheep. I knew they didn't really smell very good, especially on a hot, humid day. It didn't really seem like anything was special about them. But over time, I've learned a lot more about them. Like, sheep are valuable in the way they provide wool and meat and milk. They're also, like, also naturally herd, meaning that keeping a flock of sheep together is actually pretty manageable. However, when sheep feel threatened, they have one defense. Huddle together and run away. They stick together to survive, basically. The only way a shepherd can get a sheep to go where he wants him to go is to gently lead it along, walking ahead of it. Eventually, the whole flock will come to know and recognize the shepherd's voice and words. Sheep know who feeds them, who protects them, and cares for their needs. If I were to call to these sheep right now, they wouldn't really listen to me. They wouldn't do what I asked them to do because I'm not their shepherd. Jesus says in John 10, 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Did you know that Jesus is actually our good shepherd, and we are his sheep? Remember now, sheep only respond to the voice or word that they recognize. And just like sheep, we need to be able to recognize our shepherd, Jesus' voice. Now that can be hard because we live in a world with many voices shouting at us to act a certain way, to do something that may not be pleasing to God, or to fill our schedules with busyness. Therefore, it's hard to hear Jesus' voice in the midst of the loudness that surrounds us. Today, I want to give you a few practices to help you learn to recognize your shepherd's voice. First, I want you to find a place where you can set aside time just to focus, like outside by a tree or a favorite spot that you have, or even in a closet in your bedroom. Take a deep breath and just clear your thoughts. Close your eyes and ask God to be with you in the silence and to speak to your heart. Set in the silence and just listen for God. Start with two minutes and work your way up. You can even set a timer just to help you. And after your time of silence, reflect on the experience and how you felt God speaking to you. Take notes in a journal on what God placed on your heart. Maybe you can use one color for God's word and another color for your thoughts and responses. I just really want to encourage you to take time away from everything and everyone else and just sit and get to know the voice of your good shepherd.
this past Christmas, I had the joy of attending an event put on by some of Littleton's finest singers, my five-year-old's preschool classroom. This was the first chance that I would have to meet some people that had become very special to my son, his Balfour buddies. A few years prior, the Balfour Senior Living Community had gone up right next to the preschool and there was a program started where the youngest of souls would monthly have an opportunity to mingle with the oldest of souls. And I won't forget the joy that I saw on so many faces that morning. There's just something about that. And then in early March, when our world fell apart, the senior living community put the kibosh on that program, and understandably. And my heart hurt for everyone involved. I know that for so many of you, one of the most difficult parts of this last few months has been that you're unable to visit your loved ones in assisted or senior living communities. And there's a certain ache to that kind of pain that's very real. So this highlights one of the most consistent truths we find throughout the scriptures, that we were never meant to walk this journey of life without the generations loving one another. The problem is we just, we just don't do that very well. Let me give you some proof. Look at our church. Where are all the 20 to 30-somethings? I mean, the, the only young adults that we have in this church, aside from a few loyal brothers and sisters, are on staff. What that tells me is that young people don't want to come to South Fellowship Church unless they're being paid to do so. And we know whose fault that is, right? It's the young people's fault. Now, I'm 35 years old. I'm the perfect age to give this sermon. I'm halfway there to three score and ten. I'm young and I'm old. I'm wise and learned, and yet I know nothing. But I hope this morning that maybe you don't hear as much human wisdom from me as you might hear some words from God's Spirit. You know, from the stories I've been told, South Fellowship used to be a place, the place, for young people in South Denver. And many of you were involved in that movement of God and you felt his spirit moving and you sensed what that was like and now something is different. Well, what's different? It's the young people, right? I mean, young people these days are so utopian and they can't get their head screwed on straight and maybe if they'd go out and get a real job, then the young people would respond, okay, boomer. I mean, was the worship too loud for you this morning? You see, it's really easy during this season. All you have to do is turn the volume up on your computer if you can even figure that one out. You know, the story goes of an older man in Christ who was talking with a young believer and the two were becoming increasingly frustrated with one another as they both passionately shared their perspectives on justice and righteousness and truth and Finally, the older man looked at the young man and said, I just, I just, I just need to make some peace here, son. Uh, you know, let's step back for a minute. And the, the reality is, if we set aside our differences, we're both following Jesus. You in your way and I in his. And that's the rub, isn't it? Uh, one generation sees righteousness, the other sees rigidity. The, one generation sees freedom and the other sees frivolity. Some generations build walls and other generations breach them. Some generations build walls because they sense that the generations prior to them or the generations that are coming after don't want anything to do with morality. And other generations breach those walls because in 
my opinion, they lack the security to stand on firm foundations of their own. Now, the scripture acknowledges this reality and even points to the reason that it exists. We're sinners. We're self-righteous sinners, and self-righteous people tend to think that their way is the way, and we tend to look through the lens we want to look through, and it's difficult for us to look through the lens other people are looking through. And we can find passages in the scriptures that acknowledge and even point to the unfolding reality of our brokenness in the way that generations treat one another. Matthew 10, 21 says, Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rebel against their parents. And Peter reminds us that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They'll say, where is this coming he has promised? Ever since our forefathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. In many ways, it feels like that when a godly generation dies off, God dies with them. And the older generations look at the younger generations with disdain and disappointment, lamenting that the younger generations are not following God like they were or obeying them like they have. Prior to coming to South Fellowship Church, an older woman approached my wife. Now, I knew this woman a little bit, but my wife didn't know her very well. And um, I I saw the woman come in and she kind of gave my wife that look and the, the finger came out and she said, young woman, I need to talk to you. My wife was a little bit taken back, but she listened anyway, and the woman began. When you go to that next church, I I, I hope that you'll obey God and support your husband in ministry. Now, I've never punched a woman in church. Okay, I've, I've never punched a woman, period, but that day I was darn close. I mean, you mean to tell me that my wife, who is one of the fiercest prayer warriors and supporters of me that I know, doesn't support me in ministry because she doesn't obey God like you so clearly have. And inside I felt and still feel, oh, dear woman, you've already received your reward. But if we look at the Psalms, we're encouraged that there's a different way for the generations to treat one another. Psalm 71 says, Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, until I declare your power to the next generation your might to all who are to come. And again in Psalm 145, one generation shall praise thy works to another and declare thy mighty acts. So so listen, whatever generation you're from, your, your task is not to prove what your generation did for God. It's to tell the next generation what God has done for you. You're to be a returner to grace and a reteller of his story. Psalm 78 gives us a beautiful picture of how this sounds and what this looks like. It says, I will utter dark sayings from old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation, the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know him, the children yet unborn, and arise to tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. Listen, older members of South, were you a part of a movement of God? 
Did you feel his spirit doing mighty things among you? Then why? Why sometimes does it feel like for the younger people that you're asking them to just try a little bit harder so that they can maybe get on your level? And the Apostle Paul would say to you, be, be a returner to grace. Uh, are you, are, are we so foolish after beginning with God's spirit? Are we now trying to attain our goal or have someone else younger than us attain their goal by human effort? Have we suffered so much for nothing? Did, did God give us his spirit and work miracles among us because we observed the law or because we believed what we heard? And listen, there are so many young people these days who are so eager to believe what they heard. But when they look at the hurdles that you've set in front of them, they just seem a little bit too high. Be returners to grace and retellers of God's story. It is through this returning and retelling the wonders of God, the proclamation of his power, his good news that God has chosen to show his grace to each new coming generation. He has proven throughout the ages that he is the God of generations, that his covenants, his blessings and his promises extend from one generation to another. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. In Genesis 17, says, 7, uh, God tells Abraham that he will establish his covenant with him as an everlasting covenant, one between God and Abraham and his descendants after him and for the generations to come to be his God and the God of his descendants after him. And we see in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit is poured out and, and the early church is beginning that all of us, all the generations are encouraged to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and will receive the promised Holy Spirit. But it tells us that this promise is for us and for our children. In other words, God uses the regenerate to regenerate. He, he's taking the generations and making them into a new generation. Peter tells us we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. We're a people, a nation, a generation being made called out of darkness into light so that we would exist together as one and work together as one for the sake of his kingdom. Isaiah 58 gives us a beautiful picture of what can happen as we choose to follow Jesus in this way. It says this, And then you will call to him and he will answer. You will cry and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the desire of the oppressed, then, then shall your light rise on the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continuously and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you'll be like a well-watered garden, a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins will be rebuilt and you will raise up the foundation of many generations. You'll be called a repairer of the breach, a restorer of streets to dwell in. Did you catch that? If we take away the yoke, if we stop the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, then, then shall our light rise in the darkness and we will become what we've already been told that we are, a chosen generation, 
out of darkness into light to proclaim his good deeds to the next, those coming after us. And so many things will happen. Among those ancient ruins will be rebuilt and the foundation of many generations will be raised up and will be called repairers of the breach. That, that gives, gives hope to us all, right? If you're older, some of those walls that you've built up can be rebuilt on a better foundation. And some of those are, are good things. And if you're younger, you can feel secure standing on a firm foundation in Christ. It's possible for the generations to function together as one. Let's look at a snapshot of God's people as he brings them back from a dark place into a land that he had already given them. Rebuilding the ancient ruins is their task and raising up the foundation of his dwelling place. We're going to pick up this story in Ezra chapter 3. and We find God's people coming back from the Babylonian captivity and going back into Jerusalem to rebuild the foundation of the second temple. Here's what it says in verse 8. Now in the second year after their coming to the house of God in Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Jozadak, made a beginning. Together with the rest of their kinsmen, the priests and Levites, and all who had come to Jerusalem from the captivity, they appointed Levites from 20 years old and upward to supervise the work of the house of the Lord. And Jeshua with his sons and brothers, and Cadmiel and his sons, and the sons of Judah together to supervise the workmen in the house of God along with the sons of Hinnadad and the Levites and their sons and brothers. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord, according to the directions of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. Wait, what? They sang responsively? They... They had just laid the last stone. Their hands were dirty. They did the work, and yet they recognize, as you and I are called to recognize, that unless the Lord builds this house, those who build it labor in vain. And as the writer of Hebrews tells us, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, who is a representative for you and I, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone. But God is the builder of everything. You see, they're returners to grace and retellers of God's story. And so they declare in front of everyone watching their children in the next generation with palms up. For he is good and his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. What a beautiful picture. We see the generations of God's people together, sons and fathers and everyone who had returned from captivity praising God together after seeing the foundation of the second temple laid. It's possible in Christ for us to function as one, and that's what we're called to. But don't miss the significance of the next few verses. It says, And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, the old men who had seen the first house, wept aloud with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid, though many of the others shouted for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of joyful shouts from the sound of people's weeping. 
for the people shouted with a great shout, and the shout was heard far away. When the foundation of the second temple is laid, everyone has mixed emotions. The older generations who had seen the former temple wept aloud, and it's implied that the younger generations shouted for joy. And it's noted that you couldn't tell one from the other. You see, as much as we're called to function together as one, that doesn't necessitate that we feel together as one. It's okay to feel sad that God is doing a new thing. It's okay to shout for joy that you have a new foundation to stand on or a firm place to meet with God, new people to interact with. It may not feel or look just like the old place, but the same God dwells there. Listen, South, we're blind if we don't see that God is doing a new thing here in so many ways and has been for a while. Let me be real honest here for a second. Some of those new things that God is doing, just like you, I'm a big fan of. And just like you, some of those new things that God is doing, they make me wrestle a little bit. And that's okay. You know, here we are on Father's Day, and fathers give all sorts of gifts to their children, and sometimes the father's unaware of a gift that he's given to his kids. One of the best gifts that my dad ever gave me was when I was a senior in high school, and the reason it was so impactful for me is was it fell during a season in my dad's life when he could have chosen to just float, and he didn't. He was a pastor, and he was out of work, but he came to me as a senior in high school and he said, Josh, I want you to do something. I want you to take your twin sisters, just the three of you, and I want you to to go for the next 52 weeks for this senior year of your high school experience and I want you and your sisters to take one Sunday and visit every church in our city. I want you to see what the greater, of, the greater body of Christ looks like. That they're young and they're old. I want you to visit churches where you can hear a pin drop. And I want you to visit churches where you can't hear yourself think. I want you to visit churches where you're the only white people there. And I want you to visit churches where the people are not like you. And we did it. And you should have seen some of the looks we got. But they're not the looks that you're thinking of. We got kind looks and welcoming looks. And we worshiped with people who didn't look like us and people who didn't sound like us. And it was, it was amazing. I've got a good dad. He's a returner to grace and a reteller of God's story. And he, he gets that God's story is a story of faithfulness from generation to generation. And so here are some practical ways that younger people can work together with the older generations to be a part of the solution. Number one, shut up and listen. You have so much to learn from people who've been at it way longer than you have. Number two, be intentional to engage with older generations. Some of the people walking around our church are just as hesitant to reach out to you as you might be to them. Take the first step of engaging in conversation. 
And number three, young people, don't shy away from opportunities to use your gifts to express your passion for Jesus. It is one of the ways that older generations are most encouraged to see a younger person living out their faith. Here's some practical ways that older generations can work with younger generations to be a part of the solution. Share your wisdom, number one. God knows we need it. Number two, don't make it difficult for young people who are turning to God. Do that work in your heart and soul, whatever it takes for you to be a returner to grace so that you know that everything you have is from him. And when you see a younger person that wants Jesus, don't make it hard for them. And number three, celebrate the movement of God in the youth. It's one thing to be encouraged by what you see in young people. It's a whole nother thing to make it known that you were encouraged. And a final word for all of us as we prepare to welcome a new lead shepherd into our midst. It's okay to cry and it's okay to shout for joy. The same God that dwells in us dwells in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, you're the God of generations. You have proved yourself faithful over and over and over again. Lord, thank you for the, the call to tell your story to the, the coming generations. Thank you for the stories, Lord. Thank you for the demonstrations of grace in our lives. Thank you that you've given us so much to share. Lord, and help us to feel and recognize that in the midst of all kinds of different emotions in this season, that you're sitting with us in those. And that it's okay as the generations of this church to process what you're doing here in different ways. Lord, would you, would you make it so that it was for your people that those things can't be really distinguished between one from the other, the lamenting and the joy, that we would be united by your spirit in such a way that we would be seen as, as one church, existing together for your glory and the sake of your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. Well, thanks, Josh, for sharing that message. In light of the season that we're in, we're in this series entitled Not Like Me. And we thought that we wanted to take communion more often during the season for a couple of different reasons. First, there's nothing like gathering around a table with people who are not like us to be a symbol and a representation of unity. That's part of what the communion table represented in the early church. People from every socioeconomic background, from every generation, from different nationalities would all gather around a common table and say that we are to be known by the person of Jesus, not based upon these other different variables in our lives. And second, in light of the fact that we're in this final stage of seeking out a lead pastor, we wanted to center ourselves around the communion table. And so let's do that now. If you have the elements with you, a cracker, some juice, these are symbols of the blood and body of Christ. In Mark chapter 14, verses 22 says this, and as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take this, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my 
blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it in new in the kingdom of God. This is the body of Christ that was broken for you. And through the sacrifice and the work of Jesus, he purchased the ability to reunite humanity under one banner, under the banner of the kingdom of God. So take it, eat it, and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. This is the blood of the covenant, a covenant between God and, be and humanity of restored relationships because of the work of Jesus. And as you drink this, Remember the sacrifice that he made, but also remember the unity that he allows because of his sacrifice. You may not be with people from other generations today or other walks of life today, but remember that as we drink this, people all around the city are participating in this together. And we're declaring when we drink this blood of the covenant that we're one in Christ and that he is the one we're known by. He is the name that we are known by. So drink it in remembrance of him. Oh, that I can see your face. How I'm longing for that day. Bright as sun of holy grace. Be my heart a holy place blessed are the poor who have nothing to own blessed are the mourners who are crying alone blessed are the guilty who have nowhere to go for their hearts have a road to the kingdom of god and their souls are the songs of the kingdom of God And they will find a refuge For theirs is the kingdom of God Beauty shining from your face Always longing see this place is there somewhere i can stay even just a couple of days blessed are the poor who have nothing to own blessed are the mourners who are crying alone blessed are the guilty who have nowhere to go for their hearts have a road to the kingdom of god and their souls are the songs of the kingdom of god and they will find a refuge for theirs is the kingdom of god Lord is a shepherd, we shall not want In valley or pasture, we shall not want Our cup runneth for 
shepherd, we shall not want. In valley or pasture, we shall not want. A cup running over and over for now, forever, for now, forever, for now, forever, for now, forever. Blessed are the poor who have nothing to hold. Blessed are the mourners who are crying alone. Blessed are the guilty who have nowhere to go, for their hearts are owed to the kingdom of God, and their souls are a song of the kingdom of God, and they Hey everybody, uh, it's Larry Boatwright. Thank you again for watching today. Uh, so glad that you were able to join with us. And also happy Father's Day to all of you fathers out there. Hey, just a couple of quick announcements to leave you with. You've heard us talking the last couple of weeks about house churches, and you might wonder, well, what's a house church? In case you missed it, it's just the next step of us beginning to start the regathering process. And house church is just a handful of people at your house inside, or you could have several in your backyard. You could meet in a park um, to do what we do. You can have uh, conversations about Jesus. You can study the scriptures together. You can watch the online service together. And it's a great next step for us as we continue joining together in community. If you're interested in leading your house church or participating in someone else's or just one, uh, what more information, you can visit southfellowship.org connect to get started. Uh, the second thing, if you have kids, I want you to listen up. Our kids men team has been hard at work and we're so excited to be offering an online VPS experience this summer. I, I know that COVID's posed some challenges, but Amy and her team, they, they said, we're not just going to go, well, I guess we can't do VPS. They're innovating a really cool way to do it online. Um, they're going to be putting on hard hats and entering the building zone this summer as we teach kids how to build character like Jesus. And the VBS that we're doing online is going to be from July 6th through July 10th. And you can register online. It's totally free. We'll have a fun pack of goodies for you to pick up from the church to take home and use throughout the week to help you get started. So we do need you to reserve your slots um, on the crew. So visit southfellowship.org slash VBS and register. As always, I just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness and consistency and your generosity in giving. It's allowing us to continue to do ministry online and, and in our city and around the world, and, and God is using it. So thank you so much. If you want to jump in and be a part of what God's doing there by supporting this church financially, you can go to southfellowship.org slash give. Um, thanks for watching today. If you're watching live, you can connect with us in a Zoom room right, right after this. It's just an online kind of small smaller group of people um, getting to connect with others. We also have one for kids, so we'll post the link in the live chat and all of our live uh, online environments. And, and to help us spread the content 
that God is using to impact people to help spread our Sunday content and the message of Jesus. I just want to ask you to like and to comment, to share and subscribe and all that good stuff. Happy Father's Day.